the Friday Y'all Show has arrived. It's time to get your weekend on, and we're going to have a good time getting your weekend all set up here as we close out a busy last few days. We've gone from indictment on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, and I'm going to not bore you with all that here so much on today's end of the week celebration that we call the Y'all Show. What I'm going to do is give you several hours of Southern conversation. That's what we try to specialize in. Who am I? Well, I am the General of the South. I am General John Rawl, country son of a gun, CSA. And uh, here on the Y'all Show, we love to welcome in our fellow Southern generals. It doesn't matter where you're located. If you want to fancy yourself as a Southern general, by all means, join the Army. As we're going to have a good time learning about what else is going on in the South and learning about the South's history. And we're even going to talk a little money on today's Y'all Show. We got Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group dropping by, hour number two today. We've got our Friday free for y'all headed your way in our final hour today. So, yeah, it's a busy, busy, busy Friday edition of the Y'all Show. Here in our opening hour, in addition to uh, some of the headlines that we're going to go through here in a second, I'm also going to fill you in on those Razorbacks because starting today, as we get ready for the weekend, I'm going to launch the official Y'all Show College Football 2023 Tour. And we're going to start it in Fayetteville. And we're going to spotlight the Razorbacks of Arkansas. We will hear from the head coach, Sam Pittman. He was at the microphone, I think it was just a few hours ago, talking about his team as it was getting ready to start fall camp. We'll hear from the head coach. We'll hear all about the schedule for the Hogs this year. And courtesy of one of the bloggers that cover Razorback sports, Razorback, Razorbacks with a plural, RazorbacksWire.USA.com, they've gone through on that site and predicted the way Arkansas is going to play football in 2023. We'll go through game by game and tell you if it's going to be a, a win or it's going to be a sad day in the Ozarks for those hogs. So we'll do that in just a few minutes. That's going to be packaged here in our opening hour of the Y'all Show. So it should be fun talking about Sam Pittman and his cast of hogs. They've got an experienced quarterback to their credit, and they showed off that quarterback at Nashville's Media Day just a few weeks back when they were at the microphone there in downtown Nashville. So Arkansas football kicks off our 2023 college football tour. We will be going through all the major SEC and ACC, and I might even mix in Texas and OU over the next couple of weeks, with one of those being at least one and usually only one school featured each day here on the show that shakes the Southland. Yeah, sound like a pretty good deal? I, I think so. You know what's also a good deal? You can join us here at the Y'all Show. And the way you can do that is pick up that phone and text us. Our number, you can text 24 hours a day, is 615-208-4184. That's a number you can find us on 24-7. So we have a lot of people that listen to this show in podcast form. And I don't want to hold you back. If you've got something you need to pass along to us, we want you to Pick up that line and text us so we can share on our next available opportunity what you are telling us, whether it's a question or comment, or maybe you've got criticism. That's all well and dandy. 
we'll take it here at the Y'all Show. Again, that text line, 615-208-4184. You can also email us. Some of you would rather do it that way. That's fine. Our email address is mail at yall.com. Mail at yall.com. So, again, we appreciate, no matter what the option is, you having a chance to reach out to us and be part of the Southern family. And if you you, you do all that, I told you I was a Southern general. Heck, I'm going to commission you with an extra star, one more than me. I'm okay with that. Welcome into the show. Let's kick off our news headlines from across the southeast. And we start, sadly, with some sad news out of law enforcement in South Carolina. Earlier in the week, a police officer in the Palmetto State was struck and killed by an Amtrak train as he was saving someone who had called 911. Officer Matthew Hare, a 22-year-old, was there and unfortunately lost his life, it appears, according to Easley, South Carolina Police Lieutenant Ashley Anderson. As the young officer went to help out with a person on the tracks near downtown Easley, Easley is just outside of Greenville, South Carolina, in the upstate of South Carolina. And the officer was called to a report of a person having a mental health crisis. And early on Wednesday, this officer and his partner found the person there on the track. And it was not clear exactly how Matthew Hare was struck by the train, but the... uh, Lieutenant there said at a news conference that he died saving the life of someone he did not know. Officer Hare was a hero. The officer's partner and the person on the tracks were not injured. The person was taken into custody, but investigators did not say why they were being held, whether charges had been filed or what their name even was. Further further story and developments on this coming Easley is on Amtrak's Crescent Line. That is the passenger train that goes from Atlanta. It actually goes all the way to New Orleans. It goes from New Orleans all the way to Central Station in in Manhattan. And so it runs daily going one way early in the morning and another, another stop going the other way. I don't know if Easley is a stop on that train line, that Crescent Line, Clemson, just down the track, is a stop on the Amtrak line, and I think Greenville is too. Chances are easily is not. But because of this unfortunate loss of life of this police officer on the Amtrak Crescent line, that Crescent train was delayed seven hours. So I know people traveling Amtrak were definitely behind schedule earlier in the week when this happened, but We grieve the loss, again, of a true hero, this law enforcement officer in South Carolina who gave his life, Matthew Hare gave his life as part of the Easley South Carolina Police Force trying to save someone else on a railroad track in that upstate South Carolina town. Our thoughts to his family and our prayers for him as well. Now, other headlines across the southeast today. We pick it up here some positive news we're going to talk some money we're going to talk about good money we're going to talk about a surplus of money not for all of you but at least those of you who live in arkansas as this week finance officials in the natural state said arkansas's state revenue has come in nearly 16 million dollars above forecast at the start of the fiscal year 
that fiscal year begins July 1st. And so the Department of Finance and Administration of Arkansas said net available revenue in July totaled $553 million. That's $11.3 million above the same month last year. And the state ended the last fiscal year, which ended June 30th, with a $1.1 billion surplus. That's the second largest in Arkansas's history. Republican Governor Sarah Sanders said last month that she has not ruled out calling a special session. And in that special session, she's going to look at taking up additional tax cut proposals because of that surplus. But a rare story of a surplus of money coming from a state. And this week, that state would be Arkansas. Now, they might take some of that surplus money and try to buy them a better football team. And speaking of that Razorback football team, coming up in the next segment, we're going to spotlight the Razorbacks, as I said just a moment ago. We'll hear from the head coach of the Hogs, Sam Pittman, as he talks about his 2023 Hog team. So stay tuned. Plenty of Arkansas, both financial and football talk here on today's Y'all Show. Another story involving Amtrak. This week it came out from the NTSB that the 45-degree angle where the road crossed the tracks in Missouri, it made it hard for a dump truck driver to see the approaching train, and that helped explain why last year we had this awful, fatal Amtrak derailment in West Missouri, a derailment that four people were killed in and 146 people injured. And again, according to the NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board, and their report that's taken a long time to come out with, they say that this dump truck driver possibly never saw that train. The dump truck driver came up to the railroad crossing at a five-mile-per-hour speed, but if he didn't see the train coming, then it would not have mattered. It was a poorly designed railroad crossing there in rural Missouri, The NTSB said the dump truck driver didn't stop before continuing through the crossing at a speed of five miles per hour. That train, by the way, that ended up, you know, colliding with that truck was going 87 miles per hour in western Missouri at the time of the collision near Minden, Missouri, is where this happened. And it comes out that the state transportation department had actually put $400,000 to the side to help add lights and a gate at this crossing, but it had not received funding before the derailment. Hmm. Just a tragic thing with four people dying. And I still want to defend trains because trains are still a great way to get around. A lot of people rely on them and they're fairly safe. I mean, we're talking about four people dying in this awful derailment of 2022, but derailments don't often happen in the train world. The people killed in this 2022 derailment in Missouri, a 54-year-old from Brookville, Missouri, Billy Barton II, and then a couple of people from the Kansas and Kansas City area, Rochelle Cook, 58, Kim Holzapple, age 56, and an 82-year-old Ben Fawn of Kansas City, Missouri. Those were the four killed in that Amtrak derailment from last year. Federal statistics show that roughly 2,000 collisions occur every year at rail crossings nationwide, and last year nearly 250 deaths were recorded in car train 
crashes. Now, a lot of those happen because people play chicken with the train. They think they're super men and super women right before the train comes. And yeah, sometimes you might get away with it. But as we said, there are 2,000 collisions every year at rail crossings in the country. And you don't want to take that gamble if you if you can help it. So please be careful. In this case of this dump truck driver, it appears that it was simply an accident. And unfortunately, people's lives lost as a result of that. Let's go to the Bahamas for a southern story. A southern story that might end up being a Dateline NBC type story. Coming to a primetime TV set near you. No, maybe not, because nobody actually got killed in this story, so maybe it wouldn't be all that good. Maybe coming to Lifetime or Hallmark Channel. Nah, I doubt it would be on Hallmark, because it's not really the best of stories to tell you about. So we informed you earlier in the week about a South Georgia couple that had a vacation home in the Bahamas. And a plot was unfolded by Bahamian police that the wife was going to kill her estranged husband, and her man, her new man, was going to carry it out. And these are people that ought to know better that I'm telling you about. We're talking about the Shivers. Robert Shiver played football at Auburn and played one season of football for the Atlanta Falcons. And he's got his beauty queen wife, Lindsay, that's 36 years old, and I think she went to Auburn, too, I, I think. So these are people that are educated. They got money. And they're good-looking people. So what in the world are they doing in the Bahamas trying to kill each other? Well, that's what happened because what what happened was Lindsay and her alleged lover, Terrence Bethel, and another person, a accused hitman, Farron Newbold Jr., well, they were arrested back in July in Abaco in the Bahamas and shipped to Nassau after police there uncovered an alleged scheme in the WhatsApp messages of, on a phone of a suspected burglar at Grabber's Bar and Grill on Great Guana Cay. And they uncovered this WhatsApp conversation of where the wife and mother of three with Robert was going to kill her husband, this former humongous football player. <laughs> and she was charged by Bahamian police with trying to have Robert killed. Update to the story this week. Now, they evidently were living apart for a couple of months. They are from Thomasville, Georgia. Robert is the son of the former head of the Flowers Bakery, which is a multi-billion dollar company in Thomasville, Georgia. And Robert filed for divorce back in April on grounds of adulterous conduct by his wife. The pair have been squabbling over custody of their three children. They also have a $2.5 million mansion in Thomasville. And they were both living in and use a private, they, they both have the home and then they use a private jet to go around to places like, hmm, Auburn and the Bahamas and more. So these are privileged people. But 
this story comes out. Now, Lindsay has denied having this illicit liaison, and the couple were still together and accused Robert of physical and mental abuse, by the way. The story this week is, or late in the week, the story broke this week that this was going on. The the update to the update, y'all, is Robert, the husband, the guy that filed for divorce citing adulterous actions by his wife. He's now helped pay the bail for Lindsay, you know, bail that was for her allegedly trying to kill him. He's paid for the bail and the release of his 36-year-old wife, her 28-year-old lover, Terrence. And he's also paid for the hitman to get out of the Bahamas jail, Farron Newbold. I mean, this is an expensive deal. Lindsay freed on a $100,000 bail. She's got to wear an ankle monitor and remain in the Bahamas, where she and her husband regularly vacation. And I think they got a home there. That explains why they go. Again, these are people that have a pretty good life. And here she goes wanting to allegedly hang out with a, a, a new lover and, 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 and maybe kill her old lover. Hmm. Robert, by the way, spent one season with the Falcons back in 2009. And now maybe he feels generosity and wants to help get these people out of jail. I'm not sure. It's just an ugly situation. Again, they've got three young boys, it appears. We wish them the best. And maybe this is not all true. Maybe there's something else in this story that just doesn't add up. But, um, Soap opera drama from South Georgia and from the Bahamas here on this week's Y'all Show News Headlines, if you will. We will have more stories and more things to pass along as we continue on on the Y'all Show. But when we come back, we're going to take you, not to the Bahamas, but we're going to take you to the Ozarks, where we're going to launch our first installment of our Y'all Show college football tour for 2023 those Razorbacks from the University of Arkansas are going to be our spotlight today. And we'll tell you about Sam Pittman's team. We'll walk through the schedule. And one of the Razorback insiders has kind of predicted how the season's going to go. We'll share that info. All that's coming up. And before the hour is up, we will have our ICYMI in case y'all missed it. And we're going to rewind back to Wednesday's show where I had a long discussion of Acadiana. What exactly is Acadiana? Well, if you'll hang on, we'll go back to Wednesday's show in this portion that we call ICYMI, in case y'all missed it, and I will replay some of that conversation about that special part of Louisiana and a special part of Southern history, too. We'll have all that coming up before this hour is up. So stay tuned. Get your hog hat ready because we're going to go woo pig suey when we come back here on the show that shakes the Southland. We want to hear you here at Super Talk 93.1 on shows like The Y'all Show, The Patriot Pastor, and The Frankie Lack Show. We've got a text line that you can text us and participate in the program. That number is 731-410-7560. And the Super Talk 93.1 text line is powered by See Me Tree Service. They are a West Tennessee-based company, and they will help you with any of your tree removal problems, tree trimming, tree elevation, pruning, 
tree topping, stump grinding, and more. They're a small family-owned business that's licensed and insured, and you can call See Me Tree Service for a free estimate. Call them at 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. For all of your tree removal or tree issues going on, give them a call for that free estimate. 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. Powering the Super Talk 93.1 text line. Get those hands above your head, Arkansas fans, and get ready to WPS. It's the Y'all Show, and we kick off today something we're going to do every day from now until when college football kicks off in a few weeks. We're going to spotlight one of our great southern schools and give you their schedule, the prognostication of that school, and Maybe even some of the great traditions of each and one, each and every one of our great Southern schools. All that right here on the Y'all Show, and it's it is it's a great honor to be here in the Y'all Show chair because let's be honest, nobody else does quite what we do here, mixing in the fun and tradition of the South with the fun and tradition of things like college football, and then when you even get more specialized within that subdomain you got each individual school and boy oh boy do we have some awesome traditions within our southern schools i'm gonna tell you about some razorback traditions in a second but let's first focus on sam Pittman, the coach now entering year number four as arkansas's head coach and the first year was a little rough now that was that crazy Corona year where they only played SEC teams. Arkansas was not all that great. They were three and seven. They got a chance to go play in the Texas Bowl. But what really surprised people was 2021 when the Razorbacks were nine and four and won the Outback Bowl. That was tremendous what they did in 2021. And nobody really saw that coming from Sam Pittman. He was not exactly top-shelf material for most pundits when he was hired to come to the Razorback football program. So the great 21 season, how did he back that up? Well, last year was not all that great for Arkansas fans. It was a step back. Pittman in his third season, his team struggled. Now, they got off to a decent start. I mean, they got off to a great start. They beat Cincinnati at home, Cincinnati, remember, 
had been virtually undefeated the previous year, and they escaped with a touchdown win. Then they had another victory the second week of the season against the Gamecocks. Then they beat their old coach, Bobby Petrino, brought his team into Razorback Stadium, and Arkansas beat Missouri State. But then the losses mounted up. They had a rare loss to Texas A&M, and then they got beat by 23 at home to Alabama, which was number two at the time. And then the real tough loss, they went down to Cowbell Country, and MSU beat Arkansas 40-17. to Yikes. <laughs> they were able to get a road win last year at BYU and at Auburn. That might have been what sealed the fate of Brian Harson there at the Plains. But then a tough loss at home. Hugh Freeze and the Liberty Flames came in and, and beat Arkansas by two. And then they had a tough loss at home to LSU, a close game, 13-10. to 10. Got victories over Ole Miss to, to wrap up the season at home. And then that rivalry game with Mizzou, they lost that one. So they just limped into the postseason with a 6-6 six and six record. And wow, what a thrilling game they had at the Liberty Bowl against Kansas. And somehow Arkansas came out in three overtimes with a victory, 55-53. to 53. So they finished 7-6 and six overall, 3-5 and five last year in the SEC. Now Sam Pittman's going to try to improve upon that here in his fourth year in Northwest Arkansas. This week he was at his podium there in the Athletic Center at Arkansas's complex talking about his 2023 team. Let's go in and hear a sample of the coach now entering year four. The Oklahoma native is Sam Pittman. He is from El Reno, Oklahoma. He's 61 years young these days. And let's hear, again, listen in a little bit to the head hog talking earlier this week. We're obviously bigger, which has a lot to do with the nutritionist as well, but we're bigger. Our body fat count is down. Um, so a lot of good things, positive things, and, and I just feel like our team, you know, we pressed them pretty hard. It's hot, and we pressed them hard, and there was no bickering, anything of that nature. It was just, you know, we don't we don't want to repeat last year. If we're going to repeat any, we, we need to go back to two years ago. And so uh, obviously we needed to change a few things. That's what we did. Following up on that, so when we talk to Ben, we'll ask him this too, but like individuals who really impressed – for instance, we saw Landon Jackson. He put yeah. on weight. I wonder if there's some other guys that kind of rose, you know, to the top. From yeah, I mean, there stuff. was a lot of them. Hudson Clark, you know, ended up gaining about 12 pounds this summer, uh, which he needed to. You know, we asked him to go in there and fill the hole on a running back, and he doesn't have enough, you know, behind to fill it. And uh, he's there. He just can't get him on the ground at times. Uh, so we, he, he, he's one that sticks out. Uh, obviously, uh, the D line has has done a really good job. Devin Manuel was was uh, thin, couldn't handle you know hard to handle a bull at what he was in the spring, and now he's. You know, I imagine he'll report about three oh eight. I think it was three oh six when he left. So, you know, just a lot of positives. Lemmer squatted seven hundred pounds. You know, things of that nature. That um, just a really good. Um, overall program for all of them I'd, I'd like for you to ask ben he, he he would be able to rattle them off faster than me at, at media days um we asked you about um 
Well, you said that you're, you th felt like your depth was better. Yeah. Where do you feel like maybe you increased your depth after spring, places that you, you needed to have more depth? Well, you know, linebacker was certainly something because we haven't really had anybody play a lot of reps there, you know. So um, after spring ball, I felt like we could have, you know, with Jaheim coming in, I feel like we could have – you know, two rotations there, you know, a couple rotations where we could have some guys. Obviously, we've talked about the D-line. Uh, wide receiver. And it wasn't just the guys that we brought in. I thought it was Bakke and Satagna and Jaden Wilson and those guys uh, coming on, you know, that you think. Because they're fast, you know, and they, they uh, did a nice job. Competition, I think, really helped the entire team. And... Uh, but that would be it. Running back was running back. Tight end would probably be one of the biggest things that happened from spring ball to now, uh, not only with the guys that were brought in, but the guys' um, development over the summertime. And that was Sam Pittman, the head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks, as his team underway with fall camp, getting ready for that season opener. And that season opener this year will be in Little Rock as they are back in the state capitol. The Catamounts are the opponent for the first game of the season. I'm going to tell you about the entire schedule here. We have found the website Razorbacks Wire, which covers Arkansas in a big way. This is a usatoday.com property, Razorbacks Wire. And we're going to go through their game-by-game -game prediction for Arkansas football this year. So, yeah, get ready, Razorback fans. You might not like what we're about to tell you. Or you might love it. Yeah. Uh, again, last year was a, essentially a 500 season, so Razorback fans want to try to improve upon that in 2023 to be dang sure. So, game number one at War Memorial Stadium in Little Rock. The prediction from this website is Arkansas is going to trounce the Southern Conference FCS program, Western Carolina, and so they'll be 1-0 after game one. Game number two, they've got the Kent State Golden Flashes coming in for the home opener, and that'll be at Reynolds Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville. And this is going to be game number two will be a 3 o'clock Ozarks time kickoff on the SEC Network on September 9th. And this website says that Razorback fans, you ought to be happy. You're going to win this one according to Razorback's Wire. Now we move on to game number three. The BYU Cougars flock to Fayetteville for a primetime ESPN2 game on September 16th. Razorback Wire, their prediction of what's going to happen in this game. They predict a Razorback victory here. 31-16. Remember, BYU this year will be in the Big 12 Conference. Remember last year, Arkansas went out to Provo and beat the heck out of BYU 52-35 in what was a not-so-great football season. Perhaps that BYU road win was about the best win they had on their schedule. This year, Razorback fans, after the BYU game, you should be 3-0, and at least if things go the way, <laughs> the way you're expected to go, according to Razorback's wire. Now we get to SEC play. September 23rd, Baton Rouge is calling. That's where the Razorbacks open up the SEC schedule in the Battle of the Golden Boot. And the Golden Boot 
it looks like according to Razorbacks wire is going to go to LSU this year. It'll be a close game, but in the end, it'll be an LSU win. In fact, since joining the SEC since way back in 1992, the Hogs have never op- they've never opened their league slate against the Bayou Bengals. And they've never played LSU this early in the season. There's some weird stuff going on with the schedule this year. And LSU's historic rival in the SEC, Mississippi, they're playing them in the first month of the season, which they usually play them in late October, sometimes in November. So I don't know what what was going on that they caused all of this uh, shifting around of the schedule. But it's going to be hot in Tiger Stadium, even if it's going to be a primetime game. But it's going to be tough for Arkansas to win that one. That's why they are projected after this game coming up on the schedule September 23rd to be 3-1. and one. Then at Arlington Stadium's, at Arlington, Texas's AT&T Stadium, Jerry World, Arkansas alum Jerry is going to welcome in his Razorbacks to take on Texas A&M. And according to RazorbacksWire.com, they've got this one penciled in as a Texas A&M victory, a close one. Remember, the former Razorback coach, Bobby Petrino, is Texas A&M's, he's their offensive coordinator this year, coming over from being the head coach at Missouri State. And A&M better get their rear in gear this year, and it looks like, according to this own Razorback-friendly website, that that's going to happen, at least in this game. So right now, Razorback fans, as you close out the month of September, according to this Razorback's wire, you're 3-2. and two. On a collision course with mid-level success, it looks like. Now, the harbinger each year, in my opinion, is what does Arkansas do when they play a, an equal? And that equal would be Lane Kiffin and the Mississippi Landshark Rebel Colonel Rebs. This year, the game's at Vault Hemingway Stadium. It's going to be always a, a, a just epic game when Arkansas and Mississippi get together. And guess what? Razorback Swire has this one penciled down as a 45-41 Razorback win in Oxford. So they've got them now 4-2 and two midway through the season. Things are looking up, Razorback fans. Now, the tough test where they go to Bryant-Denny and take on the Alabama Crimson Tide on October 14th. I'm going to go ahead and say this one's going to be a loss. Yep, 34-21. Alabama is expected to win this one until this website says until Nick Saban retires, I can copy and paste this until Arkansas finally beats a Saban coached Alabama team, chalking it up as a loss. I'm glad they didn't spend a whole lot of time on this one. So as of now on this prediction from this website, Arkansas four and three overall one and three in SEC play. Then MSU comes over from Stark Vegas for a game in the Ozarks. They predict this to be a 26-17 Arkansas win. So the Razorbacks now 5-3 right at the end of October. In fact, they are off Halloween weekend. There's no game. So the next game is going to be in the Swamp. November 4th, they play at Florida. And when we scoot down to see what the prediction is for this one, they've got a Florida victory Coach Napier gets a rare win. So Razorback fans, this website, Razorbacks Wire, has you at 5-4 and four with only three more regular seasons games left. Hugh Freeze and those Auburn Tigers 
Yeah, I said Hugh Freeze and those Auburn Tigers come to Fayetteville November 11th. And this website's prediction of that game is a Arkansas victory. Woo pig. 28-24 is what they say. As they say, Travis Williams will have added motivation for this one, facing his alma mater. Freeze has never won in Fayetteville. He lost both of his games in Fayetteville while coaching Mississippi, although they did win in Little Rock one time, a dramatic field goal there with Mississippi winning at the buzzer over Arkansas in a game played at War Memorial. But this website's now got the Razorbacks after 10 games at 6-4 and four overall. Then a, an opponent, they ought to be able to destroy FIU. They've got them down as a 51-16 win with that game played. The penultimate game there at War Memorial. No, this one's in Fayetteville against FIU November 18th. And then the final regular season game is also an SEC game against their border battle with Missouri. And the prediction for this game, to wrap it up, Thanksgiving weekend, is a Arkansas victory, 35-23. So they've got the Razorbacks going 8-4, and 4-4 four, four and four in SEC play this year. That, according to the website Razorbacks Wire. What do y'all think? Is this pretty spot on? I would say so. I think, actually, if I had to guess, I would drop that number down instead of being 8-4. I'd say they would probably wrap up the regular season 7-5. and five. And so the question will be, are they going to keep Sam Pittman? Are they trending in the right direction? I think he probably still gets another year. Now, before we wrap up with you talking about those hogs, a few things about the traditions of Arkansas football. They got the hog call, one of the most recognizable chants in all of sports. The basics are you raise your hands above your arms above your head during the hog call, and you yell woo and wiggle your fingers for a few seconds and then bring both arms straight down with the fence, fist clenched, yelling pig, and then you extend your right arm with the suey. These steps you do two more times and finish by yelling razorbacks, kind of like this. Pig suey, woo! Pig suey, woo! Pig suey, Razorbacks. Okay, y'all like that? Other traditions at Arkansas include Tusk, and when they play games in Little Rock, that is a tradition. They're going to do that with Game One this year, playing Western Carolina. Arkansas's tradition also includes running through the A. You got those hog hats that some fans bring out, and then Maxine's Tap Room is a tradition of the Razorbacks. So a lot of fun if you make it to Arkansas for a football game. It is truly one of the SEC's best home environments. And we here at the Y'all Show are proud to tell you about it as part of our spotlight. Today was our first installment of our road tour across the SEC, ACC, and more. It's our college football tour for 2023. Good luck, Razorbacks. When we come back, we're going to wrap up Hour 1 with I-C-Y-M-I. In case y'all missed it, we're going to rewind to our conversation Wednesday all about Acadiana and that special section of Louisiana. We'll have all that coming right up. Bye. 
a guy from South Louisiana singing a little ditty for us, Sammy Kershaw, as we are wrapping up this hour of our conversation about what goes on in the South. And South Louisiana, also known as Acadiana, also known as Cajun Country. And Sammy Kershaw, man, I just love hearing that guy not only sing, but talk, because I love that Cajun accent that he's got and have had a chance to interview him a couple of times and just enjoy each and every opportunity I get to talk to that great Cajun crooner. Well, here on the Y'all Show, we have something on our Friday edition called I-C-Y-M-I, in case y'all missed it. And on Wednesday, we had a big historic spotlight of exactly what the heck is Acadiana. And I took a few minutes to describe the history of Louisiana from its French settlers that came in from Nova Scotia and other places in Canada. Acadia is where they came from. And here in this little clip I'm going to play for you, we're going to learn about Acadiana and a little bit, if we have the opportunity to tell you about Louisiana's American Indian tribes that were there when the Acadians came in back in the 18th century. So right now, let's rewind to our Wednesday Y'all Show, and let's get a little history lesson about this special section of Louisiana. The Acadians, an ethnic group descending from the French who settled in the New France colony of Acadia during the 17th and 18th centuries. Now, Acadia, according to the history books, wasn't just contained to Louisiana. Most Acadians in the region of Acadia are descendants of the Acadians who escaped the expulsion of the Acadians out of New Brunswick and Canada now. The expulsion of the Acadians known as the Great Upheaval, the forced removal of these French speakers. And this happened by the British. The British kicked out these French inhabitants of the Canadian-American region known as Acadia. And this happened between 1755 and 1764. So Certainly before the American Revolution, this happened. And this was in the area of Canada, the maritime provinces of Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and Prince Edward Island, and also in the current-day U.S. state of Maine. Thousands of people died as this was happening during the French and Indian War. The French first deported Acadians to the 13 colonies starting in 1758, but ultimately they would move them into what would become Louisiana. The forced relocation, you, you could call it a 18th century holocaust of sorts. The expulsion of the Acadians out of those maritime islands and provinces of Canada and even in the state of what would become Maine. All right, that was a portion of our conversation again from our Wednesday Y'all Show. I encourage you to go to our Y'all Show podcast and pick up that interview in its entirety. And I do a much better job of walking through the history of Acadia and Acadiana 
and even again those American Indian tribes that were there when the French and you could call them Canadian, French Canadian settlers ended up there during that time period of our regional history. So again, a good history lesson awaiting if you have an opportunity to tune that in. Well, that will wrap up this hour of the Y'all Show, opening hour, hour one. When we come back in hour two, we're going to have Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group drop by. He's got debt and taxation on his mind. Also, we'll let you know about the movies hitting theaters this weekend. All that ahead on the show that shakes the Southland. back for hour two on this end of the week fun that we call the y'all show powered by y'all.com and you can reach us 615-208-4184 that's our 24 hour seven day a week text line and the way to email us at the y'all show it's quite simple m-a-i-l mail at y'all.com would love to hear from all y'all we got a lot of money to talk about we got a lot of debt we got a lot of taxation to talk about here in our second hour. Our buddy Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group is going to be dropping by in a few minutes, and he's already warned me prior to dropping by that he's got debt and taxation on his mind. <laughs> should I take the call? Should I take? Should, should we allow him in here? Should we? I think I think so. That might be him texting me right now. Uh, he's coming, so get ready, y'all. Paul Hare. Coming up in just a few minutes on the Y'all Show. And before we get out of here this hour, we have our check at the new movies hitting theaters this weekend. It's our Dixie Cinema Spotlight, and that is coming up. So you'll want to make sure you stick around for that fun. Let's start off this hour with a look at headlines. And Paul, where are you? Because you need to be in here for this headline. And it comes to us courtesy of the natural state. And Sarah Sanders, the governor there, she ought to get a good pat on the back for this this headline today because I don't see this happening too much in government. Arkansas, you need to go out and make a lot of money by telling people how they can save money. As finance officials of Arkansas earlier in the week said, the state's revenue has come in nearly $16 million. Drum roll, please. $16 million above forecast at the start of the fiscal year maybe they're taxing too much in arkansas (laughs) the department of finance and administration of arkansas said net available revenue in july totaled 530 rather 553 million dollars that's 11.3 million dollars above the same month last year and 15.9 nearly 16 million dollars above what was forecast. Arkansas's fiscal year starts July 1st. So the state ended the last fiscal year with a $1.1 billion surplus. That's the state's second largest surplus in history. Governor 
Sarah Sanders last month said she hasn't ruled out calling a special session to take up additional tax cut proposals because of that surplus. So, hey, they got a lot of extra money, but they don't want to keep this trend up in the natural state. They want to cut taxes. Is Sarah Sanders a potential vice presidential candidate for Donald Trump if he ends up being the nominee? I think so. I really do because she's got the lineage being Mike Mike uh, uh, Mike Huckabee's daughter. Yeah, I was trying to think. Her, her last name's throwing me off here for a second. Mike Huckabee, the pitch man on TV, the, the TV host. Oh, that also happened to be a former presidential candidate himself and a former governor of the natural state. Uh, Mike's daughter, she grew up around politics, obviously. And then she worked in the White House as President Trump's spokesperson. And man, did they attack her in her time in D.C. In fact, later in the hour of the Y'all Show, we're going to tell you about some of the new the- uh, movies hitting theaters this weekend. Molly Gordon stars in a new movie that's hitting theaters this weekend called Theater Camp. And she first, for a lot of you out there, first came to national prominence on the TV show, Our Cartoon President, where she had the voice of Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And I'm thinking here today, they made this cartoon series, this animated series that essentially poke fun at Donald Trump. That's what it was all about. It was created by Stephen Colbert, a guy that suffers from severe Trump derangement syndrome. They haven't done any kind of cartoon TV shows about Joe Biden, have they? No, heck no. Yeah, and and I've already forgotten about this stupid series that stupid Stephen Colbert, my fellow South Carolinian. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that he's from South Carolina, the way he's had Trump derangement syndrome these last few years. What a, what an insult. He shouldn't have gone to Northwestern up in Chicago. I think that made him out to be a non-Carolina. We, we should revoke his South Carolina citizenship. Sarah Huckabee Sanders and her time as governor of Arkansas so far, she's only been in offense since January. A big surplus for all you in Arkansas. Congratulations. What are you going to do with that money? Well, Paul Hare might have a good idea. He's going to be on here in a second. Let's move on to other headlines across the South today. We take you to Missouri, where we have a story out about the poorly designed crossing that contributed to a fatal Amtrak derailment in 2022. A dump truck driver may have never seen an oncoming Amtrak train before it was too late. That, according to federal investigators, as they have concluded their report that found a steep, poorly designed railroad crossing in rural Missouri contributed to that fatal Amtrak derailment. Four people were killed and 146 people injured in this 2022 Amtrak crash in western Missouri. The train was traveling 87 miles per hour when it hit that dump truck. And the NTSB said the dump truck driver couldn't stop before continuing through the crossing at the speed of about five miles per hour. And they had this awful, awful crash. The State Transportation Department of Missouri had put the $400,000 project to add lights and gates at the crossing on a priority list, but it had not received funding before the derailment. 
this Minden Crossing crash in western Missouri last year. Just such a terrible thing. The NTSB chair, Jennifer Hamindi, said the safest rail grade crossing is no rail grade crossing, but at the very least, every railroad intersection should have an adequate design to ensure proper visibility so drivers can see oncoming trains. Communities across the company deserve safer crossings so these types of accidents don't happen again. Mm. Got to be careful, for sure. I recently was in an area where the trains kept coming and going left and right, and you feel for these trains because they don't have a chance. If, if a car is right in front of them, they don't have a chance to hit the brakes in time. And, of course, that's going to likely kill the driver of the car. But, boy, there's plenty of engineers and other train personnel that have lost their lives because, well, mostly because of bad driving. But as we see here, this, the NTSB this week saying that perhaps in this case in Missouri, it could have been just a bad design there of that crossing and the fatal Amtrak derailment of 2022 in the Show Me State. Now, this is a crazy story we told you about earlier in the week, and we've got an update out of the case of the woman who was going to likely kill her husband. Y'all remember this story? We told you about it earlier in the week. This involves a former Auburn football player, Robert Shiver. Robert played for the Auburn Tigers, and then he played for the Atlanta Falcons for one season. And the update on this story about his wife, Lindsay, she was down in the Bahamas and evidently was going to try to kill her hubby. The former Auburn football player, Robert Shiver, was down there with her, and she, through a social media app, was working with an alleged lover, Terrence Bethel, and another hitman, Farron Newbold Jr., to try to take out her husband. <laughs> and uh, we got an update on this story. So it turns out that Robert, the husband, has now helped bail out his estranged wife, Lindsay, and her alleged accomplices after they were charged with trying to have him killed. What? Has he been drinking a little bit too much booze in the Bahamas? Yeah, this trio arrested back on July 21st in Abaco and then shipped to Nassau after police uncovered the alleged scheme in the WhatsApp Messenger app. And therefore, they arrested this trio of an attempt to, to kill Robert. And they got him there in the Bahamas. And now, the husband, Robert, freed his wife, Lindsay, or... I think they had filed for divorce. His, what I would expect, a future ex-wife, freed her on a expected $100,000 bail. She's got to wear an ankle monitor and remain in the tourist destination of the Bahamas for quite some time, where she and her husband regularly vacation at their home with their three sons. So they have a Bahamas home. That's, that's a nice thing to have. The other guys that were in this plot to kill Robert, Bethel, and Newbold, out on $20,000 bail, and also will have to wear an ankle track device. And they're going to have to sign in three times a week at the Marsh Harbor Police Station. How would you like to be on bail and be stuck on a Bahamas island? That wouldn't be a bad option, actually, now that I think about it. The Shivers are evidently squabbling over custody of their children. It looks like they've got three boys, according to a photo that I've seen circling on social media. They live 
in a $2.5 million mansion in Thomasville, Georgia. That's South Georgia. And they were both living in and used a, a private jet at the time of their divorce. Robert filed for divorce back in April on grounds of adulterous conduct as she had allegedly started an affair with Bethel while at the vacation home there in the Caribbean on this Bahamas island. Lindsay has denied having an illicit liaison while the pair were still together and accused Robert of physical and mental abuse. She's a former beauty queen in Alabama, and he, again, is a former Auburn Tiger football player. Robert's father, Alan Shiver, served as the CEO of Flowers Foods for four decades before stepping down in 2019 from the bakery company that's worth more than $5 billion. By the way, I think I'm right on this. That's why they live in Thomasville, Georgia. That's where they're from, uh, that part of Georgia. Flowers Foods, if you're not familiar with Flowers Foods, they essentially, I might be wrong here, and if I am, I apologize, all you in the bread business, they are the master baker of just about every bread that you can buy in the Southeast. They're the sixth bakery in the country to franchise quality baker of America's Sunbeam brand and Little Miss Sunbeam. I think they have a whole host of bread names that they have there at Flowers Bakery at the Flowers Plant in Thomasville, Georgia. Again, this is a plant there that has over 9,200 employees. And they have, let me see if I can't get, they own the brands Mrs. Freshly's and European Bakers. And they have, I, I was talking to somebody not long ago about Marita bread. That was my favorite bread growing up. And if I'm not mistaken, they have that brand name they use as well. They have bought out all kinds of bakers across the Southeast. And to my knowledge, they still put them under their historic names. The company like purchased Hostess brands. They also have Wonder Bread and more. I mean, I, I can't really tell you all the breads that they have, but that's where this guy gets his money from. The, the Auburn football player, Robert, the son of the former CEO, longtime CEO, of Flowers Foods, Alan Shiver. What a bizarre story to tell you about here on today's Y'all Show. And we wrap up this hour's news headlines with a feel-good story. A man in Texas has been ticketed for feeding the homeless outside a Houston library. Well, guess what? Philip McCone this week found not guilty of breaking a law against feeding homeless people outside the public library there in Houston. It's the first trial to be held after dozens of tickets were issued against volunteers for the group Food Not Bombs. Some good overcame evil in Houston, Texas this week with this guy found not guilty for feeding the homeless. And we do have a soft spot for those who have a rough go of it in life. And this guy looks like he was trying to do the good thing. And some somebody there in Houston decided to give him a big old ticket. And the city of Houston said it will continue to vigorously pursue violations of its ordinance relating to feeding of the homeless. Are they going to feed them? Or should those homeless people just get a job and get off the street, maybe? I don't know. That's a story for another day, y'all. Again, that wraps up our news headlines for this hour of y'all. When we come back, 
Paul Hare is going to be joining us. He's with the Hare Financial Group, and he's going to be dropping by to tell us all about taxation. He's got that in mind on today's show. Plus, Paul's going to also stop by and give us an idea about debt and why debt is in the news. It's financial talk as we wrap up the week on Wall Street and more with Paul Hare. That conversation is up next. We want to hear you here at Super Talk 93.1 on shows like The Y'all Show, The Patriot Pastor, and The Frankie Lack Show. We've got a text line that you can text us and participate in the program. That number is 731-410-7560. And the Super Talk 93.1 text line is powered by See Me Tree Service. They are a West Tennessee-based company, and they will help you with any of your tree removal problems, tree trimming, tree elevation, pruning, tree topping, stump grinding, and more. They're a small family-owned business that's licensed and insured, and you can call See Me Tree Service for a free estimate. Call them at 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. For all of your tree removal or tree issues going on, give them a call for that free estimate. 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. Powering the Super Talk 93.1 text line. It's Friday night, baby, get ready, set, go. Gonna take you to the crystal and a picture show. Well, the sky's the limit, there's no price too high. Baby, you're the apple of my eye. Got my paycheck in my pocket and some gas in the tank. Honey, your love's better than money in the bank. And the Y'all Show continuing on on this Friday edition, getting you ready for the weekend. And here at the Y'all Show, we love to get you ready for that weekend where you're going to be hopefully going out on the town with plenty of money in your pocket. And that's why we welcome in from the Hare Financial Group, Paul Hare, as he joins us on Fridays to walk us through the week in Wall Street and what's going on with investing and insurance and so much more. And this week as we welcome in Paul to the fun we got debt on our mind, Paul. What in the world's going on with the downgrade of the debt rating here this week? Well, we've uh, got a down uh, downgrade from uh, Standards and Poor and from Fitch from AAA to A plus plus or A double A plus, should I say? And uh, that has an effect on our market. It also, effect, has an effect on our interest rate, uh, meaning that uh, it'll we will have to raise our interest rate on our debt we're selling because of our uh, credit rating. So that's not too good. And that's what we're seeing now. That's why we're seeing some of the rumblings in the market uh, on Wednesday. And that's why, uh, you know, we, we look back and see how it's reacting. And what was interesting, I was just at a tax seminar in Indianapolis, Indiana. And there's a reason they hold tax seminars in Indianapolis, Indiana, because really, it's not much to do in Indianapolis, Indiana. 
except uh, if you're a Colts fan or a Pacers fan, but neither one of them are playing. So, but then. Well, you sure well, go to Indianapolis a lot, Paul. Well, that's where my broker dealer is. So I, know, I, I, know. I go up there a lot. And, and, you know, that's the nice thing about it is they, they, uh, they keep, keep you abreast of what's going on, how you can best serve your clients. You know, I work for the second largest independent broker dealer in the world, uh, advisory group and securities America. And the neat thing about that is, is they are a independent broker dealer, not just a wirehouse. So. Uh, we do, we do a lot of things in retirement planning. But one thing they talked about, just to give you an idea of where, where we are and how we've gotten here. At the, at the turn of the century, the national debt was three trillion dollars. And I'll never forget, uh, Obama saying how George, uh, George W. Bush should be ashamed of himself running up the debt to eight trillion. As right now, at the as we stand, our national debt is thirty-two trillion dollars. That's a tenfold increase. I'm glad I'm sitting. You talked about as we stand. I'm sitting because if I had been standing, Paul, you would be having to call an ambulance. I would have passed yeah. out. So you got. I mean, just take a look at. We have increased our national debt ten times in just twenty-three years. So we're looking at a situation where it's going to get worse. There's two things in the, in the, uh, national budget that is creating this problem. And that is mandatory spending increases. Every department gets an increase in their budget. Every department of the federal government gets an increase in their budget, even if they don't spend all their money. What was interesting was when uh, Bush was in office, when when Trump was in office, and toward the end of the Obama, uh, Obama administration, they were talking about lowering the percentage of increase. Now, and what I mean by that is they were going to they were going to shrink the increase. It was still going to be an increase, but shrink it. And all the politicians, both Democrat and Republican, started screaming that we're cutting the budget. Now, I don't see how they said we could be cutting the budget when we shrink the increase. We're still spending more than what we were spent the year before, but we're not going to allow you to increase your budget that much. So they call that a budget cut. And so we, we're, that's what we're looking at. But that was one thing, mandatory spending increase. And then it was said the lack of sufficient funding. Well, how does the federal government fund itself? Taxes. So they're saying they're not collecting enough in taxes to fund what they need to spend money on. So instead of cutting our spending, we need to, in their eyes, increase our taxes. So at this tax conference I was at, we were sitting down and talking about what we can do to increase our taxes, okay, and or what they're doing to increase our taxes and what we can do to help our people avoid the increase of taxes. Now, there's one thing I love about this. Do you know what the difference between tax avoidance and tax evasion? No, I do not. 
20 years in prison. <laughs> so we're learning steps of how not for our clients to evade taxes, but to avoid taxes. And that was part of this conference I was at. We were talking about strategies people can do as far as to lower their tax bill. And it was really interesting. And we were sitting down giving you uh, some instances, uh, indications. If you're a self-employed person and you're going to buy a vehicle, whether it's new or new to you, if that vehicle, if you're self-employed, if that vehicle has a gross weight of over uh, 6,000 pounds, you get to write off 100% of its purchase price that year. So whether it's new or new to you, you still get to write off that that uh, ta- uh, that purchase. Now, it was designed for farmers, but they expanded it also to construction or anybody that were considered self-employed. So that is what we're seeing a lot of. Uh, that was one thing they brought up. Of course, somebody brought up, you know, it's interesting well, one way to avoid taxes by municipal bonds. Well, yes and no. There's some hidden tax ramifications inside those uh, municipal bond purchases. And, and, and try to get into them now. We, we would eat up the rest of our time in the next two shows explaining how those taxes are. But it was really interesting, John, to sit down and look at all this and how people are being affected by our debt increasing, our interest rates increasing, forming more tax. We're going to have to increase taxes, and yet we're trying to slow down the economy so we can stop inflation. So we're kind of in a paradox right now. We're trying to um, slow the economy down to have uh, less inflation, but yet if we slow the economy down, then that means less revenue coming in, which means less taxes to uh, collect, which means our mandatory spending goes up, which means our deficit gets bigger. So it's going to be interesting over the next 18 months to see how this stuff shakes out. Why 18 months? Well, because that's when we're going to find out what happens in the election and what uh, who takes off uh, the White House and control of the Congress in 2025 so that's going to be some interesting you know we got the election in 2024 so that's going to be interesting because trump's tax cut sunset in 2025 in the in the history of our government in the income tax law this is the lowest tax rate we have ever seen the lowest effective tax rate we have ever seen in the history of the United States. And that's because the lowest. Of well, it was because of his tax cuts, yes. Okay. Now, let me explain. Of course, you got to remember your effective tax rate and what your tax rate is are two different things. But there, uh, I use this as an example. This is one thing we talked about in our tax our conference. Ronald Reagan used to make two movies a year. He would never make more than two movies a year. He would get paid $100,000 per movie. 
And in 1948, the effective tax rate for anybody making a, over 200000 federal income tax rate was 94%. Now, you, granted, you had a lot of deductions in there, but it was 94%. He also paid 6% tax to the state of uh, California. So he knew any dollar he made over 200000 he paid 100% in taxes. So he would always make sure he made two movies and made just $200,000 because he knew anything over that. A do- for every dollar he made over that, he would not see a penny of it because it would be paid out in taxes. Now we're seeing our effective tax rate down. Now you've lost a lot of your deductions, granted, but if you're a, a, a married couple, you've got right now a twenty uh, over $25,000 total deduction off your income taxes, you know. Uh, combined for a married couple. Well, now that's going to sunset in 2025. And then you go back to where you got to keep up your mortgage interest, your sales tax, your, you know, all those taxes you've got to, that you used to just be able to file, you know, just the marital deduction. Now you've got to keep up your mortgage interest, your property taxes, what you paid in sales tax, because we don't have a state income tax in Tennessee, you're going to have to start keeping all that information again. So it's it's going to be interesting. It really is. So we're learning ways for our clients not to evade taxes, but to avoid taxes. Before we wrap up here, I do want to get some other feedback, Paul, from you. Mm-hmm. As Wednesday, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, is his name Jamie Diamond? Yeah, mm-hmm. he said that the Fed, the Fitch rating U.S. downgrade was ridiculous, and it doesn't really matter. Do you agree with that? Uh, no, I don't, and I'll tell you why. Because right now we're in we're in a climate where. Our our dollar and our bond is the national is the is the world reserve, and if we're not careful in how we manage that, we could lose it. And if we lose that ability of being the the world reserve, then you're going to watch us be in a lot bigger trouble than we are now. Now he is Jamie saying that. Now I one small step down. No, but if we don't get control of higher spending and get control of our, um, our, our, our inflation and our, just our tax rate, everything, we're going to be in a lot bigger trouble than we imagine. It's like you and me. We got great credit. We go out and buy a $250,000 house and that cut hits on our credit report. Our credit score goes down. Each time we add debt, to our national debt, our credit rating goes down. So I see what Jamie's saying right now. As long as we hold as the world reserve, we're fine. But if we ever start seeing a crack in us being the world reserve, then it's going to be a slippery slope we cannot stop. But seriously, what does J.P. Morgan know that Paul Hare doesn't know? Come on. Well, I will say this. J.P. Morgan was the smartest one during the 2008. Yes, they took a hit, 
But you got to realize J.P. Morgan uh, started getting out of the subprime business in 2006 and, the, and part of 2007. So their, their portfolio exposure wasn't that bad as a Lehman Brothers. Now, guaranteed, Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns, somebody had to, I hate to say this word, die on, or fall on the sword for us to wake up, and it just it was chosen to be. Well, it ended up being Bear Stearns, uh, Lehman Brothers, uh, Countrywide, Washmu. I mean, we can continue down, but uh, Jamie Dimon, uh, I, I I would listen to him, but I I will disagree with him a little on the Fitch downgrade. One step, eh, it doesn't have that big of effect, but it does send up. A warning sign. If we go down another step, we go from double A plus to double A, then yes, we are, we are on the edge of that slippery slope and all it takes is one push and we cannot stop. So we, we, we need to wake up now and figure out what we're going to do. Experience matters with the Hare Financial Group. That's why you need to check in with Paul at 731-664-0047 as he can help you with your insurance and investment needs. Paul, you were rattling off all the things you've seen since 87, the bad things. So yes, as we wrap up with you, what's the worst bad thing financially you've had to go through? Uh, I would say 2008. 2008 was caused by internal, not external. You know, granted, 2001 was a hit and 2020 was a hit, but 2008 and 87, those two I would put side by side. Hmm. I would put 2008 because we watched a lot of people get hurt financially. Uh, 87, uh, that, was, that, that affected a lot of retirement accounts. But 2008 affected lifestyles. So I, I would put 2008 that I've seen, I would put it alongside the crash of 29. That would be so, the, the whole savings and loan fiasco? No, savings and loan, that wasn't it. I'm talking about the subprime mortgage. Oh. I'm talking about when you had Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns go belly up. Ah. And that took down Countrywide and Washmu and a bunch of others. That was the worst. That was probably uh, the closest to 29 our generation ever saw. So, all right. But well, anyhow, you've lived through it all, and it looks like you um, aren't afraid of what comes next. Paul, no, it, just being smart, doing the right thing, and uh, don't try to grab onto the shiny thing, grab onto the thing that, uh, We'll make sure that, uh, to quote Will Rogers, I'm not so concerned on the return on my money as I am the return of my money. That's right. And when you go in to see Paul Hare for the first time, you don't have to bring your checkbook. He's going to have a, a, a meeting where you walk through all kinds of scenarios. Then the money part comes later. That's right. And remember, I'm a registered rep of Securities America, SIPC. All right, Paul, next time you go to Indianapolis and you want to go to that tax conference, um, let me ride shotgun with you. Come on, we'll go to St. Elmo's and have a famous shrimp cocktail. I haven't heard about that, but if oh, you, if check you, it out. If you think it's good, then I'll yield to you, sir. 
Have a great weekend, Paul, and it's always great to talk to you and talk about debt and so much more. And also a little taxation talk today. There you go. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend, too. Take care. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we are going to talk movies as we've got a new film at the theater that Molly Gordon stars in. And I'll tell you all about it when the Y'all Show continues. Tell them about it, Miss Evans. We're back on the Y'all Show on this Friday, getting you ready for the weekend. We're going to have quite the party in the third hour today as we have our Friday Free for Y'all. David Lee Murphy gets us going with a great song each week when that fun kicks off, and we'll be getting into that in just a few minutes here, so you make sure you stick around if you don't mind. But we will also let you know that after the weekend gets going, and you're looking for a good time this weekend, in addition to catching the Y'all Show, of course, on radio stations and in podcast form. If, if that's not quite enough to fill up your weekend entertainment, let me tell you about some movies that are available for you to enjoy on this opening of August weekend. Yeah, we got the first weekend of August upon us. And you can go check out some new movies that are available right now. So get ready. First off is the film Met Summer Encore Il Trovatore. I have no idea what language that is. I assume Latin. But yeah, yeah, it's the Met Summer Encore. And it's out in select theaters this weekend. If you want to get a little cultural on me, then feel free. I can't tell you anything more about that film, but it, 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 it's out this weekend if you have that in mind. Elsewhere, this weekend, Molly Gordon. She's in a new movie that is appearing. It's called Theater Camp. She plays the role of Rebecca Diane. Now, if you're not familiar with Molly Gordon, a lot of you might have seen her in TV shows like Orange is the New Black and Animal Kingdom. She had the main role of Nikki Belmont. In Animal Kingdom, and as I said earlier this hour, she appeared in the illustrated presentation called Our Cartoon President, as she played the voice of Sarah Huckabee Sanders in that one. And now she's in the new film called Theater Camp. 
And it is an, a comedy that's out that she helped direct. She and Nick Lieberman have made their directorial debut. And this is the new film that's out, a comedy film called Theater Camp. She's in it, as well as Ben Platt, Noah Galvin, Patty Harrison, and others. As summer rolls around, kids are gathering from all over to attend Adirondacks. That's A-D-I-R-O-N-D-A-C-T-S. Like, instead of that place in the mountains that people go to the Adirondacks, it's at the end, A-C-T-S, as in they do, like, theater stuff there at this particular camp. And Adirondacks is a scrappy theater camp in upstate New York that's a haven for budding performers. After its indomitable founder, Joan, falls into a coma, her clueless crypto-bro son, Troy, is tasked with keeping the thespian paradise going. With financial ruin looming, Troy must join forces with Amos, Rebecca Diane, and their band of eccentric teachers and students to come up with a solution before the curtain rises on opening night. It's called Theater Camp, and it is making its debut this weekend across the country. And it's already got a few early arrivals. It was part of the 2023 Sundance Film Festival, which was held back in January. And it opened with $301,000. I guess that was what it brought in in its um, pre-opening. And it is going to be a big weekend for that. And it even has a soundtrack. The soundtrack includes music from Jimmy Tatro, who's in the film. And let's see if Molly Gordon. Yeah, she's got a song called By Class on here as a solo artist. And then I think she's showing up on a few other tracks too. But I would put her down as a director and as the main female star as, as kind of the big deal on theater camp. And again, it is brand new in theaters this weekend. And if you would like to check it out, look, I think it's not quite Barbie. (laughs) It's not quite uh, Oppenheimer, but if you've seen those movies and you're wanting to stay out of the daggum heat, that's hitting everywhere right now in a huge way. And I, I can't blame you for going in and seeing what it appears to be not exactly the world's most thrilling film release, especially if you're a, like a, a grown person, as I think I am. I think I am. But, but yeah, you got that movie out this weekend, Theater Camp. And also in theaters this weekend, the Neil Blomkamp-directed Gran Turismo, which is an action-adventure film based on the unbelievable, inspiring true story of a team of underdogs, a struggling working-class gamer, a failed former race car driver, and an idealistic motorsport exec who risked it all to take on the most elite sport in the world. Gran Turismo. Hey, some high-octane drama. David Harbour, Orlando Bloom is in this one, as well as Archie Mattaqua. Orlando Bloom. Now, that's a, a guy that's been in a bunch of stuff. Let me pull up some more information on Mr. Bloom before we call this hour quits here. Orlando is actually, despite the 
rather cool southern-sounding first name. He's actually from England. He was born in Kent, Canterbury to be specific. The 46-year-old thespian, part of the Lord of the Rings film series. And then he also reprised his role in the Hobbit film series. He's been very, very active in films for a long time. He is married, or was married, I should say, to Miranda Kerr. And then since 2016, he's the guy that's been partnered up with Katy Perry. Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom. Hey, he he's doing all right to be not only with her, but has been engaged to her. For a while, the singer that hmm, dubbed the Queen of Camp, that's her nickname, and he got her off uh, off the list, evidently, Orlando Bloom. Congratulations, yeah. And it was revealed back in 2020 that through the music video for Katy Perry's song, Never Worn White, that the couple were expecting their first child together, and they gave birth to a daughter in August of 2020, I didn't even realize Katy Perry had a kid. That's how, thankfully, out of touch I am with Katy Perry music. But, yes, Orlando Bloom is in this film. You've seen him in Black Hawk Down. He was in the movie Troy, played the role of Paris in that movie. And he also has been in Zulu, Unlocked. He was in the movie The Outpost. And in Gran Turismo, he plays the role of Danny Moore, which is out again in theaters this weekend. TV-wise, he has played on TV shows like Stairway to Stardom, and he's also been on the show The Prince in recent years, if you've seen that on television. So a very accomplished actor and more, Orlando Bloom, starring in this new film out this weekend, Gran Turismo. And that will wrap up the look at movies for this weekend, and it will also wrap up our second hour of conversation about the Southeast. When we come back, Hour 3 will begin with a little party crowd, David Lee Murphy, and then we've got a real fun song to get you through the weekend and and give you some background of why we're playing that song. It's part of our Friday Free For Y'all. Also in Hour Number 3 today, we're going to go on social media and have a little hashtag hullabaloo fun. All that's coming up, so you don't want to miss out on the fun of this show powered by y'all.com, the South's homepage. And we here at the Y'all Show will be back for all that after this. Hello, it is Friday. That means it's time for a little party to kick off our final hour of the show all about the South. We are the Y'all Show. Help us sing if you don't mind. She told me goodbye Well I knew the Lord It was breaking her heart That she was breaking mine So for the sake of her feelings And the sake of my pride I told her not to worry about me So I'm sitting here Soaking up the neon lights Misery looking for some company And tonight I'm looking for a party cry Looking 
Where the heck's my truck? So take my keys and lock them up tight And let the good times flow And I worry about tomorrow when it comes to life The night's still young And I'm on the road tonight I'm looking for a party cry Slamming them back And laughing out loud with the smoke so thick When blues came hanging With the jukebox jumping like it just don't care If they're dancing over here or fighting over there I'm making the rounds Looking for a party crowd Each and every Friday at this spot We kind of kick our shoes off Roll the window down Except if you're driving You might not want to kick those shoes off You want to make sure you can hit that brake pedal if need be But this is where we have a good time for the next few minutes singing along to Party Crowd, so uh, don't hold back. And laughing out loud where the smoke's so thick, the blues can't hang around. With a jukebox jumping like it just don't care if they're dancing over here or fighting over there, I'm making the rounds. Looking for a party crowd. Oh, it's August. It is August. August calling. Party time, y'all. Slamming back and laughing out loud where the smoke's so thick. The blues can't hang around. I think we got one more chance to yell. Let everybody hear you. Why not? What, uh, I mean, who's going who's gonna to stop you? Who's going to stop you here? I'm not going to stop you. We are the Y'all Show, and there ain't no stopping this show all about the Southeast because each and every weekday we get together for several hours of Southern conversation. John Rawl is my name. Rawl, yes, Rawl of Y'all, and RawlofYall.com. I am with that little website as the founder and publisher of Y'all.com and Y'all Magazine, and it is a absolute thrill any day to sit here and talk about the South with you. But when we get to Fridays and we all have big plans, big excitement coming our way over the next few days. Yeah. It, 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 it adds a little bit more pizzazz to this final hour. And so that's why we call this segment of the show, the Friday free for y'all. And we want you to be part of that. In fact, I need to go ahead and just throw it out there. Today's y'all show Friday free for y'all. I pulled a song that I'm going to play in a second for you to, to hear, I didn't spend a lot of time on this one today. This might be the weakest Friday fru for y'all that I've I've had. I don't know where it came from. Sometimes things just come out of nowhere. A lot of times those end up being pretty good. You'll just have to discover today whether this was a good pulling it out of my you-know-what or not. But we're going to hear from a band called Sons of the Desert. They had one big song in country music back in 1997, I think it was, Whatever Comes First. I'm going to play that song. I'm going to tell you some of my own personal reflections of this band and what they're really known for. Because to their credit, it wasn't their own song that went to number one, but one of the greatest songs that have come out of Nashville, maybe in uh, in Nashville's history. And Sons of the Desert, 
is the accompanying voices behind this lady singing this huge song, the biggest song by far of her career. I'm going to tell you about that, but this is what we call in the business stalling so that you'll keep listening to what I'm talking about here in this Friday Free For Y'all segment where we walk you through some history. I get to share a few observations about usually music, but it doesn't always have to be about music. It could be something historic that ties into a song of some type. It's just really a, a mixed bag here on Fridays, and all this, again, is to have fun. We we want you to have fun and be entertained on this here y'all show because that's what we're all about. If you weren't entertained and learning, then you probably would not be listening, and we want to keep our listeners. We want to make our people happy. By the way, you can join in on the fun of the Y'all Show anytime. If you would like to text us, we have our 24-7 text line, 615-208-4184. But then we've got our email address, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. We'd love to hear from you. Either route is just fine with us. We want to share it with you. In fact, as I said today, I kind of randomly selected Sons of the Desert to be our featured song in this Friday Free For Y'all section. Hey, if you've got a a song request, I'll be Casey Kasem for you. I'll play it. Just give me a reason for it. Don't just randomly pick a song. You got to give me either a reason. Maybe that artist that singing the song, there's something significant that day, or maybe there's something significant in your life that ties into a song or something historic. I don't mind playing it. Again, we're trying to do what we call in the biz great customer service. And we will do our best, our dangdest on this show to make you make you happy, make you shine. So today, I have gone back to my time in Nashville in the 1990s to come up with a song. And really, there were, in my experience of interviewing all the artists that came through that I got a chance to talk to. If you don't know, I, I was in, the, in Nashville in the 1990s working in country music, not as a singer, but as a journalist, as a, as a guy who worked at CMT. I worked at the Crook and Chase operation for a while. I had a a daily newscast that I wrote, produced, and and sent out to radio stations. I was very involved, and I still am involved in country music, not as much now as I was back then, but I still have a very soft spot for country music. And again, this whole brouhaha recently with Jason Aldean at CMT, that really ticks me off because I am a proud alumnus of that cable cable music channel, CMT, and for them to pull off his music video is just asinine. But I'm going to focus here not on 2023 issues. Today in Friday Free For Y'all, I'm going to go back to the 1990s when good old Bill Clinton was off in office in Washington, D.C. Yes, I was a uh, 20-something-year-old hanging out on Music Row and having a, a great time. And one day into my office walks in epic recorded epic records brand new recording artist a band called sons of the desert and i got a chance to interview drew womack the lead vocalist and his brother tim was a part of that band as well this was a band that traces its roots back to waco texas they started it in 1989 and yeah sure enough they got their name from the 1933 laurel and hardy film sons of the desert and these guys formed this band in Waco while attending McLennan Community College. They ended up getting a record deal in 1997 with Epic Records Nashville Division. And they put out their first single, and I'm going to play that song in a minute, 
it's a catchy tune. It went to the top ten. It was a good song. It's it's still a good song. The album went top forty on the sales chart for albums. My problem, and this is why this band has always stuck out with me, is that when I got the material for their debut album, Whatever Comes First, uh, boy, was I ticked off about this country music act, again, that had just signed to Epic Records, and they had this great opportunity with this new lease on life in Nashville. And this album that Johnny Slate and the record labels Doug Johnson produced had some good songs on it, but what made me mad was what the guys mentioned in the publicity notes for the album. Not a single member of this five-man band, Sons of the Desert, not a single member listed as an influence any country music singer. It was all rock and roll or R&B or... Or, or something other than country music. And boy, did that just eat at my you-know-what. <laughs> and uh, I've just never gotten over it. I really haven't. It just, it just, uh, I couldn't believe that a, a band that was fancying itself as country music, at least one of the five should have had somebody in country music listed as a, a, a big part of why they're in the music business. But nope. So, yeah, they, they ticked me off. That's how we got started, Sons of the Desert and, and a young John. But, again, it's all about the music, right? Well, the song that they had, the debut song from Whatever Comes First, was the title track, Whatever Comes First. And I'm going to play that here in a second. That song went to number 10 on the chart. Other songs off of this album that charted were Hand of Fate and Leaving October. From Sons of the Desert with Drew Womack, really the, the star, the lead singer and the guy at that time with the nice curly long hair. The ladies loved him, even though he didn't like country music as an inspiration. <laughs> Shame on you. Now, two things of note about this band. Again, they didn't necessarily go gangbusters other than having this top 10 debut that we'll play in a second. Maybe what their most name, there are two things completely unrelated that this band got famous for. After the release of their first album, they found a song called Goodbye Earl and they started playing it in concert. A song written by the great North Alabama songwriter Dennis Lindy. And Goodbye Earl was recorded for them for a planned second album on Epic Records. But the Dixie Chicks, who were on Epic's sister label, Monument, part of Sony Music Entertainment back in the day, they also recorded the song, and they were planning to include Goodbye Earl on their next album. And both bands had planned to release their own versions of the song, similar to what Trisha Yearwood and Leanne Rimes had with their song, How Do I Live? Remember, that was a contest between those two. And it was, I think Leanne Rimes won that one, but they still had pretty good versions of How Do I Live that that came out at the exact same time back in those 1990s. The Dixie Chicks claimed that song as their own and put it on their 1999 album Fly and put it out as a single in 2000. Y'all know that song, Goodbye Earl, one of the great Dixie Chicks songs. 
Well, Sons of the Desert entered a dispute with Sony over that song, and it led to the band's departure from Epic Records. And their second album was never released because they got into this goodbye Earl dispute. And Sony acquired the rights to all of that album's songs. And that that kind of stuff happens. Also recorded, but not released off that second album, was the song called Bless the Broken Road, which uh, was a song previously number 42 for Melody Crittenden, but would go on to be a number one hit for Rascal Flats. Bad luck. Bad, bad luck for this band with their unfortunate relationship with Epic Records back in the 1990s. So that that's a little bit of how they ended up leaving Epic and some of the missed opportunities. They ended up signing with MCA Records right around the turn of the century. And it was because of their time on MCA that the second most famous thing that they may be known for happened. Okay? So, while now a member of MCA Nashville, they got a chance to go in and record with a up-and-coming country singer. And boy, what a song that they were able to do as Drew Womack and the rest of the bandmates of some of the, of the desert. Drew Womack got invited in to help out a fellow Womack in the recording studio. But it wasn't his brother. Sons of the Desert appeared as guest vocalist on Leanne Womack. They got to be the guest vocalist in the background singing a song called I Hope You Dance, which was a 2000 single, came out that year, and it went to number one on the country charts. And yeah, when you hear, the next time you hear I Hope You Dance by Leanne Womack, you'll hear this band and Drew Womack singing. Kind of odd that he's got the same name. I'm not aware that Leanne and the Womack brothers are close kin. They're both from Texas. They are both, all of them from Texas. But, you know, Texas is kind of a big, big, uh, big, big state. So that that is probably what they're really most known for is being that, that band that you hear all the time singing background on I Hope You Dance. A little bit more up-to-date news on Sons of the Desert. As they ended up uh, exiting MCA Records, Drew recorded a solo album back in 2003, and the band kind of went their own way. In March of 2021, Drew succeeded Richie McDonald as the lead vocalist of Lone Star because Richie went out and started The Front Men, which he does with Tim Rushlow and Larry Stewart, both of Little Texas and Restless Heart fame. So, yeah. Lone Star, instead of having Richie there, they've got uh, they've got this guy again that was the lead singer of Sons of the Desert. So let's go back to 1997. This was the song that they made their debut with, Whatever Comes First. It went to number 10 on the country music chart, a song co-written by Drew Womack, Walt Aldridge, and Brad Chrysler. A pretty cool music video that went along with it at CMT when CMT and yours truly were playing great videos in 1997. And again, this is a rocking little song 
that, uh, again, if you've heard Leanne Womack's song, then you're going to recognize Drew Womack's voice here on Whatever Comes First. And today we're playing this as a little 1990s music tribute on the show that's all about the South. Everyone says that it's no big deal Nothing a little more time won't heal Sooner or later the way I feel will change But they've never heard the way I do they never had to get over you so they never shared my point of view of the pain song right there whatever comes first from sons of the desert here as we close out our friday free for y'all on the show all about the south that song from 1997 from sons of the desert it went to number 10 on the chart and one of the reasons i'm playing it today is there's a dang good chance that most of you out there have never heard that song a catchy little tune by a one-hit wonder if you want to call a top 10 song a hit Well, that's what exactly those guys out of Waco, Texas did back in 1997 with a catchy tune, Whatever Comes First. And again, as we said, they may be more known for recording and then getting into a little legal battle with their record label Epic over the recording of Goodbye Earl, of which label mates 
Dixie Chicks stole or, or, or successfully had a little legal victory, if you will, against Sons of the Desert. And then, well, the good positive sign for Sons of the Desert and Drew Womack, lead singer, is there the guy singing behind the beautiful and talented East Texan Leanne Womack on I Hope You Dance. And we hope you enjoyed that, a little 1990s country music spotlight on this, the Y'all Show, getting you ready for the weekend. And yes, Drew and Sons of the Desert, it's been 26 years since I first heard that song when you stopped by the good old studio and let me interview you. And I got so dang mad at you for not listing country music people as influences. You are officially forgiven for that now. 26 years later. <laughs> I'll give you the forgiveness. You know why? Because these guys are out of Texas. That's why. I'm a I'm a softy when it comes to Southerners. If they'd have been from anywhere up north, heck no. I ain't about to forget them. Forget or forgive them. When the Y'all Show comes back here, we've got hashtag hullabaloo, some social media greatness that we'll be passing along before the hour is up. A look at what's going on on the baseball diamond this weekend. It's part of our Southern Sports Update for this hour. And all that is coming right around the corner on Y'all, powered by y'all.com. We want to hear you here at Super Talk 93.1 on shows like The Y'all Show, The Patriot Pastor, and The Frankie Lack Show. We've got a text line that you can text us and participate in the program. That number is 731-410-7560. And the Super Talk 93.1 text line is powered by See Me Tree Service. They are a West Tennessee-based company, and they will help you with any of your tree removal problems, tree trimming, tree elevation, pruning, tree topping, stump grinding, and more. They're a small family-owned business that's licensed and insured, and you can call See Me Tree Service for a free estimate. Call them at 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. For all of your tree removal or tree issues going on, give them a call for that free estimate. 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. Powering the Super Talk 93.1 text line. Midnight's creeping in, we know better. But leaving here together, and in case you were wondering, you've never looked harder. So why even bother looking at the reasons not to? Maybe we ought to. Good old Florida boy, Michael Ray, once Mr. <laughs> Carly Pierce. Uh, oh, I'm sorry about that, Michael. Yeah, just having some fun here. We're all we're all adults here. Welcome back. It is y'all where we discuss everything Southern with you, and we include those of you on social media who tweet at us, tweet at us, or you might email us from time to time, sharing some great stuff that you've discovered on the interwebs and more and we share that here in this segment that we call hashtag 
hullabaloo. And we're going to start off today's hashtag hullabaloo from a real stoner. That's right, a real stoner, because we have something coming in from Joel Stoner. Did you know Joel is a stoner? Did you realize that Joel is a mayor in the state of Missouri? Yeah, I said that, a mayor, M-A-Y-O-R. Mayor Joel Stoner. I need to figure out what town in Missouri that he is a uh, mayor of or maybe a past mayor. He's, he's listed as Mayor Stoner here, and I don't like to be stumped when I do this. So let me uh, bear with me here, our research staff here, working hard to get the answer of who Mayor Joel Stoner of Missouri is on this hashtag hullabaloo. Make sure there's not any other Mayor Stoners out there. Let's see what survey says. Survey says Mayor Joel Stoner. I don't know. I'm, I'm seeing something out of Lubbock, Texas. I can't prove that he's the mayor of Lubbock, but he might be a mayor somewhere around there. Let's see. Max Creek. Max Creek, Texas. It looks like it's where this guy is from. If it's the same, will the real Joel Stoner stand up? Okay. The reason we have Joel Stoner on our mind today is that he has put out a tweet, or should I say an X and his ex says, if Ken from Barbie was Southern, and he's got a YouTube video of Barry McGunthry Jr. And I have not seen, oh yeah, I've seen this. There's a, a funny comedian guy named Barry McGunthry. I think we might've played him a few weeks ago here. And he's got this video that I'm scared to play because I'm, I'm afraid it might be a little bit on the uh, X rated or at least R rated scale and I'm not ready to to get spanked here by the FCC on this y'all show. So we will uh, not play that, but I will tell you, check out this guy and his YouTube video that uh, is, is, it says if Ken was, if Ken from Barbie was Southern and this guy, Barry McGunthry Jr. has put out a little YouTube video and more, you can check it out. So thank you, Mayor Stoner for sharing that with you. You know, how about Barbie? That that movie, that's another thing our research staff. Hey, research staff, real quick, tell me what Barbie the movie has brought in so far because it's been at the top of the box office. It may not make it this weekend, but so far the numbers are pretty staggering. As it dominated last weekend, it had a record $93 million weekend for its second weekend last weekend. I'm pulling up Hollywood Reporter right now and seeing if I can't get the totals for Barbie the movie, Margot Robbie, and others in this movie. That it, it, If you heard us in hour two, we, we kind of walked through this weekend's new movies, and I don't see any of those outdoing Barbie this weekend. By the way, according to what happened at the end of last week, the domestic cumulative total for Barbie is now at $351 million. So I would say that's been a pretty successful movie so far for this movie, Barbie. Oppenheimer's out there, too. I, I want to see that one. Plus, a new movie, Haunted Mansion, has recently hit theaters. But, yeah, you got movies to check out. And if you missed our conversation about the new movies for this weekend, 
go back and check out the Y'all Show podcast, which you can find in Spotify. We're also on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, as well as Apple Podcasts and Apple iTunes. Search for Y'all Show, and we're right there. Just so easy to, to kind of discover. And here's a little heads up for our movie talk. It was at the end of hour two. So on that podcast player, you can skip forward, and I would say somewhere around the 80-minute mark, you're going to hear Little Johnny talking about this weekend's movie. That that would be me, by the way, Little Johnny. But if you ever saw me, <laughs> I'm not exactly a, a, a small guy. 6'4", y'all. 6'4". Let's move on now to a tweet we have coming in from Monuments Across Dixie. At Across underscore Dixie is the X account. And they're talking about, on their Twitter account, a post that they have, and they've got AL.com as the source for an article on that website. The article is, A draft bill proposes to raise the fine for moving a monument or changing the name of a memorial street or building. The fine is now $25,000. The bill would raise that up to $10,000 per day if you try to move a monument or change the name of a memorial street or building without the proper authority in the state of Alabama. Again, that is from a draft bill that was proposed. I don't think it went or has gone through in Montgomery. But Monuments Across Dixie has reposted that AL.com story and added a little opinion as they said, This bill is amazing. It's exactly what America needs. As they are definitely in the fight to preserve Confederate monuments and more. We told you earlier this week that at Fort Belvoir, I believe it is, just outside of Washington, D.C., they've just renamed Lee Road there. And they renamed it after the presidential order, the number that, Harry Truman gave to desegregate the armed forces. It's like the road's called PO 20 something 32. It's kind of weird looking thing if you saw it, but it has a connection to the military and that's why they chose to name that road that rather bizarre name. So that happened right there where monuments cross Dixie, which I think is based in Virginia. That's why I brought up the Virginia story here in this Hashtag Huddleballoo installment. But they are the ones out there on social media and more fighting hard to preserve monuments. They've got a tough road. They've got a tough road because there are so many things that have already been taken down. And monuments across Dixie knows more than anybody else that a lot of these monuments that have been taken down since way back when Nikki Haley first did her thing in 2015, taking down the Confederate flag at the Confederate monument in Columbia, South Carolina at the state house there. When she got into the game of taking things down and removing things and then hiding things as they did with that flag in Columbia, and it's still hidden away somewhere. When she got into that business and others followed her like Mitch Landry, the mayor of new Orleans, he he jumped into that game and took away monuments in new Orleans and put them in warehouses and destroyed things in the process And other cities still today have monuments 
that were put up to memorialize the Civil War. They've got those monuments, in some cases, covered up, literally covered up with plyboard and sheets. And it's just it's just an eyesore in some of our southern towns. Grenada, Mississippi. Go check that out sometime on the Courthouse Square, what they've done in that city. It's just it's just pathetic. And what they did in Birmingham at the big statue there was pathetic. And that's why this legislation in Montgomery is trying to do something about it because there have been some city governments and other local communities that have done things they shouldn't have been doing for monuments put up to honor those who gave their lives for their city, county, and state. And in, in the Confederacy's case, also a fallen country. And so that group there recognizing what somebody in Alabama was trying to push forward. Morton Visuals is on social media at Morton Visuals. Morton Visuals provides commercial photography and video for business, marketing, and advertising. Hey, I've seen their work. They do a great job. Morton Visuals has just put out a tweet that caught our eye, our staff's eye here at the Y'all Show. And it says, Woohoo! I am Lula Sadie's 100th follower. My Durham foodies need to join me and follow an awesome Durham, North Carolina restaurant, especially if you enjoy Southern comfort food. Again, this is the Morton Visuals account proudly proclaiming on social media that they are Lula Sadie's 100th follower. So what is Lula Sadie's, you, you ask? Well, give them a follow. You can be the 101st follower. And that is at L-U-L-A-S-A-D-I-E, at Lula Sadie. Lula and Sadie's food is cooked fresh to order, offering a modern seasonal take on southern dishes, representing various regions across the southern United States. I can't argue with that. They have a Facebook page. They're based in Durham, North Carolina, by the way. And you can go there at 2022 Chapel Hill Road in Durham and check out the incredible Lula and Sadie's food items. I'm trying to pull up their menu. Let's see if I can't get a closer look. They've got an Instagram page that is Lula and Sadie's on Instagram. It looks like there are new hours posted here the last couple of days. They're open Tuesday through Thursday, lunchtime, and then in the evening hours. And then Fridays, they're open 11 to eleven a.m. to 10 p.m. Saturday, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Sunday, they got a little bit of a brunch thing going 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Lula Sadie's, a fine southern eatery in Durham, North Carolina. And I'm looking at a picture here of one of their food items that a lot of people are, I don't know exactly what it's called, but it's got a lot of tomatoes on it. And they got a what looks like a beautiful setting there and what may have been an old garage. They got a lot of those garage doors there in Durham at this location. So check it out. Again, they claim to be, according to their own Twitter profile, a place where you can go get fresh cooked food to order, offering a modern seasonal take on southern dishes, representing various regions across the entire south. Yeah, Lula and Sadie's in Durham. And we want to thank Morton Visuals, also out of the Durham area, for letting us know a little bit about this great southern restaurant. And when I'm back passing through Durham, I'm going to make sure I stop by and uh, 
Y'all can stop by, too, and tell them John and the Y'all Show sent you. Courtesy, of course, of Morton Visuals. <laughs> and that will wrap up our hashtag hullabaloo for this hour. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this Y'all Show. We're going to take a quick look at some of the Major League Baseball contests. We just had a no-hitter by the Houston Astros this week. Is there going to be another epic game on the diamond this weekend? We'll give you that look at all the contests of Major League Baseball for this first weekend in August. And that's coming up here and also a little from Dixie with Love as we close out this week's Y'all Show. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom, but a little over a year ago, we realized she couldn't take care of herself without our help. And well, how could I not be there for her? I had no idea how hard it would be and just what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and even for me, ways to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics that got me started, but also information about the hurdles I was facing in this new role. I could even connect with experts and hear from others who had been in my place. I know this road we're on isn't an easy one, but I'm really happy to have the extra help for her and for me. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. This message is brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. It's a little of both, they say. Our ball club may be minor league, but at least it's triple A. We sit below the Marlboro Man, above the Rockville Wall. We do the wave all by ourselves. Hey, up, a blind man could have made that call. We like our beer flat as candy. We like our dogs with mustard and relish. We got a great pitcher, what's his name? Well, we can't even spell it. We don't worry about the pen as much. We just like to see the boys hit it deep. There's nothing like the view from the cheap seats. Cheap seats. Welcome back. It's the Y'all Show. It. There's going to be... Hopefully not a few empty seats out there in Major League ballparks this weekend as we're closing out the season. Only about two months left, if you sit around and think about it. And on the Major League Baseball this weekend, the games include the Atlanta Braves up at Wrigley. Max Fried will be on the mound for game one in this series of two teams with winning records. In fact, it'll be a businessman special there at Wrigley on this August 4th as the Braves and Cubbies get together on the first game of the weekend of Major League Baseball. The ALs, one of their best teams, the Tampa Bay Rays, will be in Motor City taking on the Tigers in a contest this weekend. The Washington Nationals will be in Cincinnati as they have a game set for 
640 Central against the Reds. The Houston Astros, fresh off this week, a no-hitter. They're going to be on the road taking on the Bronx Bombers. That game set for 7.05 New York Yankees time. The Kansas City Royals will have an interleague battle with the Philadelphia Phillies there in Philly this weekend. The Mets this weekend will be playing an interleague game of their own. They'll be taking on the Baltimore Orioles, leaders of the AL East right now. Chicago will be at least the AL version of Chicago. The White Sox will be in Cleveland taking on the Guardian Indians. The Blue Jays of Toronto, they're going to be hitting the road. They'll be visiting Beantown and Fenway awaits. What was it the other day? They had such a torrential downpour within Fenway that they had to, I guess, cancel a game or shut it down. It was like a, it looked like a amusement park theme ride where they get out there and ride in the, the rapids of some of those roller coasters that, that have the water thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Boston has Toronto in town this weekend. The Red Hot Texas Rangers, leaders of the AL West. The Rangers have the Miami Marlins coming in for a series in Arlington this weekend. The Arizona D-backs, they're going to be taking on the Twins in an interleague matchup this weekend. Milwaukee, the Brewers, have the Pittsburgh Pirates in to Milwaukee for a contest this weekend. The St. Louis Cardinals continue to struggle They're going to try to get on the right side this weekend with a three-game set against the Colorado Rockies. Also, you've got the L.A. Angels. They'll be at home this weekend. A little Shohei Otani perhaps on the mound at some point. Angels have the Seattle M's. That would be the Seattle Mariners coming in for a weekend series. And then another battle out in California this weekend features the NL West San Diego Padres hosting their rival from just up the coast, the Los Angeles Dodgers going on. You Darvish on the mound for the Padres, by the way, in this opening game of the weekend. And that's a quick look at some major league news and notes. Of course, college football continues to be the headline expansion. What's going to happen? Who's going where? And we will keep our eye on all these developing stories as we move on into the new week of our show that's all about the South. want to thank you again for being a part of our Friday edition. We'll be back here Monday with more Southern Conversation. Megan Headwall will be back with us, and it's always fun to have her. And we'll have, of course, our coverage of news and sports and politics. Will Trump be indicted for a seventh time or eighth time by the time we get back together on Monday? We'll have all that coming your way again. You can always catch the Y'all Show podcast. It's in Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. Apple Podcast, Apple iTunes, as well as at y'all.com. Have a wonderful weekend. John Rawl signing off on this, the Y'all Show. We will see you back here all of next week for Talk with a Southern Accent, the Y'all Show.